Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. The Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially across space, across time, and across scales, from local to global scales. Today's episode is about Antarctica, to the end of the Earth, literally. Antarctica, to the end of the Earth. The term Antarctic, referring to the opposite of the Arctic Circle, was coined by Marinus of Tyre in the 2nd century BCE. For millennia, a continent lying in the far south of the globe, Terra Australis, Terra Australis, was believed to exist long before any human ever set eyes on it. The rounding of the Cape of Good Hope and Cape Horn in the 15th and 16th centuries by Bartolomeu Dias and Magellan showed that if Terra Australis existed, Antarctica would be its own continent. However, this suspicion was not confirmed overnight. Indeed, Magellan thought that Tierra del Fuego's islands were an extension of the southern continent, and Papua New Guinea was thought to connect to the southern continent. Hmm. Eventually, Francis Drake speculated that there might be an open channel south of Tierra del Fuego. Schouten and Le Marie discovered the southern extremity of Tierra del Fuego in 1615, naming it Cape Horn. In 1642, Tasman showed that New Holland, Australia, was separated by sea from any southern continent. Even so, the predominant notion was still that most of the higher latitudes of the southern hemisphere were covered by a truly massive continent. James Cook's Second voyage from 1772 to 1775 changed all of that. He proved that no such large land mass existed, although large ice flows made him hypothesize that a continent must exist. Moreover, Cook's voyages demonstrated conclusively that the unknown lands were not the hoped-for fertile lands, but were almost assuredly hostile. This caused a shift of emphasis in the first half of the 19th century away from trade and towards exploration and discovery. French naval officer Jean-Baptiste Charles Bouvet de Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R, reached 55 degrees south in 1730. In 1773 to 1774, James Cook and his crew crossed the Antarctic Circle for the first time, discovering nearby islands and com coming to perhaps 150 miles or 241 kilometers from Antarctica, reaching 71 degrees 10 minutes south, after which ice impeded further progress. This southern record would hold for another 49 years. Political geography influenced the subsequent period of exploration in the early 1800s, as Europe went through a relative peace. A Russian expedition led by von Bellingshausen and Lazarev, a British expedition captained by Bransfield, and an American sealer, Palmer, all claimed to have seen the ice shelf or the continent itself in 1820. But the first landing probably took place when American Captain John Davis, a sealer, set foot on the ice on 7 February 1821. In 1823, British sealer James Weddell sailed into what is now known as the Weddell Sea. 
U.S. Navy Commander Charles Wilkes in 1840 discovered what is now known as Wilkes Land around 120 degrees east. Following the discovery of the North Magnetic Pole in 1831, explorers and scientists searched earnestly for the South Magnetic Pole, and British naval officer James Clark Ross identified its approximate location in 1841. The first documented landing on the Antarctic mainland occurred at Victoria Land by American sealer Mercator Cooper on 26 January 1853. Early explorations formed a broken line of discovered lands along the coastline of Antarctica, but were unable to penetrate the interior, resulting in a 20-year period of disinterest. Ross even suggested in 1841 that there were no scientific discoveries worth exploring any further. Despite Ross's recommendation and subsequent lull came a fury. The, quote, age of historic Antarctic exploration, end quote, began at the close of the 19th century and ended with the survivors of the Shackleton expedition stepping ashore in New Zealand on 9 February 1917, although some consider 1945 as the closing date for intense exploration. During the, this period, an international effort from 10 countries resulted in 17 major Antarctic scientific and geographical expeditions. The geographical South Pole were reached and much coastline and interior mapped and explored, generating large quantities of scientific data and specimens across many disciplines but with much focus on geography. The renewal of interest was tied to an 1893 speech where Dr. John Murray advocated to the Royal Geographical Society in London that Antarctic research, quote, resolve the outstanding geographical questions still posed in the South, end quote. German scientist von Neumeyer advocated meteorological research to lead to more accurate weather predictions. In 1895, the Sixth International Geographical Congress in London passed a general resolution calling on scientific societies throughout the world to promote the cause of Antarctic exploration, quote, in whatever ways seem to them most effective, end quote. Such work would, quote, bring additions to almost every branch of science, end quote, and indeed that is what it accomplished. The Belgian Geographical Society's 1897 became the first to overwinter within the Antarctic Circle. And by the way, folks, one of the most fascinating books I've ever read is Madhouse at the End of the World, which is about the Belgica's voyage in 1898 to Antarctica. Truly a heroic tale of exploration and survival. The following winter, the British Antarctic expedition was the first to overwinter on the mainland, recorded the position of the South Magnetic Pole, ascended the Great Ice Barrier, and reached 78 degrees 30 minutes south latitude. Overwintering gave confidence that the South Pole could be reached. Scott's 1801-1804 expedition, those of Australia and New Zealand, those of Gauss and Charcot, that of Japan's Kainan Maru, studied new territory. Yet it was the, quote, race for the pole, end quote, that captured the public, public's attention. A rivalry began when Robert Falcon Scott from England and Ernest Shackleton from Ireland. Shackleton's efforts fell short, but Scott reached the pole in January 1912, only to find that he had been narrowly beaten by the Norwegian explorer, explorer Roald Amundsen, who reached it on 14 December 1911. Geography played a role, for sure. Amundsen's party discovered a new route to the polar plateau via the Axel Heiberg Glacier. 
And Scott's first time at the poll was to be his last, because after reaching the poll via the Beardmore route on 17 January 1912, 33 days after Amundsen, he and his four companions sadly died of starvation and cold on the return journey. Ernest Shackleton led four British expeditions to the Antarctic. The first was on Scott's expedition of 18, sorry, 1901 to 1904. The second was in 1907 to 1909 when he and three companions stood on 88 degrees south and climbed the volcano Mount Erebus. He, his intended third expedition was to cross Antarctica from sea to sea via the Pole in 1914 to 1917. But disaster struck when his ship Endurance was crushed by pack ice, and after floating to Elephant Island, Shackleton and a few men made it across a stormy ocean 820 miles to the island of Georgia. He eventually rescued nearly his entire crew. He returned to the region in 1921 but died of a heart attack while at South, South, South Georgia Island. And by the way, those tales, those books that I highly recommend that you read about Shackleton are truly inspiring. After Scott's retreat from the Pole in January 1912, the location remained unvisited for nearly 18 years. In 1929, U.S. Navy Commander Richard E. Byrd, B-Y-R-D, and three others completed the first aircraft flight over the South Pole. Rear Admiral Dufek stood on the pole in 1956 after landing their airplane nearby. The Commonwealth Trans-Antarctic Expedition, led by Vivian Fuchs on 19 January 1958, became the first party to reach the South Pole overland since Scott. In, in February 1957, the first permanent South Pole research station was completed, named the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Station in the Explorer's Honor, housing up to 150 scientific staff and personnel. Approximately 30 countries' governments maintain widely distributed permanent research stations in Antarctica, on rock or on very slowly moving ice. The population ranges from 1,000 in winter to over 4,000 in summer, December, with 30 summer field camps. And indeed, while I worked at the USGS, folks, uh, one of my colleagues made a trip to overwinter at the South Pole, and his photographs and tales were truly remarkable. Why was the quest to explore Antarctica revolutionary to geography? Well, even though the quest for the North Pole was simultaneously occurring, the South Pole was more remote and more easily romanticized. Many expeditions resulted in gruesome injuries, such as frostbite and death for 19 explorers. Each expedition became a feat of physical and mental endurance. The figures were flawed and competition was fierce. After his share in the Discovery expedition, Shackleton suffered a, suffered a physical collapse on the return. Scott sent him home. The two became rivals, prompting Shackleton to organize his own polar adventure, the Nimrod Expedition. The characters remain compelling to the present day. Shackleton, for example, has eclipsed Scott in respect and held up as a corporate leadership model. Controversy continues as to whether Scott was a hero or just keen on self-promotion. For 75 years, Scott was almost universally venerated. Scott's team hauled their own sledges while Amundsen skied and used dogs, was one of the quotes often used, implying that Scott had done it properly. But Hunford, in 1979, asked even if Scott's final journey, journal entry before he froze showed that he was self-venerating. Hunford claimed that Amundsen, who had received little credit, was the real hero. Amundsen brought his men back safely. On the other hand, Scott was interested in collecting data and perhaps was, quote, the real geographer, end quote, of the two. 
Surely they both had weaknesses, but surely they both had many strengths. Furthermore, before World War I, national honor was at stake. In one appeal to the British patriotism, Professor John, Sir John Murray asked, quote, Is the last great piece of maritime exploration on the surface of our Earth to be undertaken by Britons, or is it to be left to those who may be destined to succeed or supplant us on the ocean? End quote. Quote, it was the size of Europe's last it was the site of Europe's last gasp before it tore itself apart in the Great War, end quote, Griffiths, 2010. The explorers were heroes to their nations and contributed to poetry and art, such as Shackleton's A Tale of the Sea, which goes, a piece of it goes like this, where nailed to the rotting flagstaffs, the old white ensigns flew, badge of our English freedom over all waters blue. Hmm, Interesting. While exploration of the mid-20th century continued with the exploration of Everest and other peaks, followed by space voyages, voyages to Antarctica, were the, really the last major land and sea journeys of the type that had begun really in the 1400s with Diaz and Columbus. While the Antarctic expeditions lacked social media feeds, telegraphs, and newspapers brought the explorers' stories before the public more quickly than, and with, with greater detail than ever before. Another reason the exploration was revolutionary was that people were realizing that Antarctica was not going to be colonized like other continents. The competition was therefore on scientific grounds. This was something new, though its roots could be argued at, as beginning with the French geodesic survey of the early 1700s. Antarctic exploration connected the key pieces of geographic knowledge about the Earth that helped geographers more fully grasp it as a system, the Earth as a system, eventually leading to the International Geophysical Year. The discovery of the link between chlorofluorocarbons and ozone, the connection between Antarctic ice and, and ocean currents and climate change, and much more. In 2001, Anne Bancroft and Liv Arneson became the first women to ski across Antarctica. And I had the honor of actually meeting Anne Bancroft at a geotech conference in Dallas, oh, probably around that time, 2002, 2003, not long after she accomplished that amazing feat. In 2011, Christian Aide, E-I-D-E, set a world record of skiing unassisted from the coast to the South Pole. 24 days, 1 hour, 13 minutes. Thus, for some, the Antarctic is still the ultimate challenge. Thanks for joining me today on the Thinking Spatially podcast series about Antarctica to the end of the Earth, to the end of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs>